0: Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker.
1: This episode is powered by the Riley Decker Companies. The right decision. For more information, go to RileyDecker.com. Austin Hatch committed to the University of Michigan on June 15, 2011, as a 16-year-old 6'6", standout basketball player. But before that, Austin had faced the unimaginable, the survivor of two plane crashes in eight years. First, 2003, a plane in which his father was flying, went down and he lost his mother, his brother, and his sister. Then in 2011, just nine days after signing with the University of Michigan, He lost his father and his stepmother, whom he called his second mom in yet another plane crash. Austin suffered critical injuries and was put in a medically induced coma for two months where he eventually had to learn how to walk again. Throughout everything, Austin has remained optimistic and kept his faith in God. And we're extremely excited to have him as a guest on the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to the UDP, Austin.
2: I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Yeah.
1: Great. Great. Um, so let's kind of, you know, I know we want to, uh, get into your story and, you know, a lot of the tremendous things you've started to do, you know, from your career at Michigan and, you know, your post career up until present day. Um, but do you mind just touching on, you know, those, as I mentioned, those two unimaginable events, uh, that kind of happened early on, early in your life?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had a had an incredible childhood you know the kind of kind of childhood that most kids would dream of right and uh, my 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 dad my family and I we were flying home um, from my grandparents lake house in northern Michigan um, and it was September 1st 2003 and then uh, as the plane as we were getting ready to land unfortunately um, the aircraft crashed and we um, it burst into flames and you know my, my my dad threw me out of the plane to save my life and went back in to get my mom my sister and my brother um but was unable to they tragically passed away um obviously it's you know hard to put that into words but you know my, my dad was my dad was remarried a couple of years later um to an incredible woman named kimberly who had three kids of her own and we got we had a great blended family kind of brought back a sense of normalcy if you will you know i had you know siblings again, and um, Parents and everything, and you know, life was good. We were, and I was working really hard on my game. Um, it got to be pretty good. Um, and then, you know, I played had a good game. And Co- I didn't know Coach Piano was coming to watch that game uh, in February of 2011. But I played. We played against a, a, bit, a school that we that our school had never beaten, and um, we were kind of the underdog, very much so. But you know, I played a good game, and he uh, he liked what, liked what I had to offer, or, or he saw potential in me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he thought that I could be a good player, and eventually, I, he didn't offer me, based on who I was at the time. He offered me because he saw I had a lot of potential. Right, you guys understand that, and um, so he saw potential for me. He gave me the opportunity on June fifteenth, two thousand eleven, Walked um, me a, a full ride, and I committed right then and there. It's always been a dream for mine to go to Michigan. My mom went there, and my my dad did some research there before going to medical school. I Wake for us. Uh, both my grandpas went there. And so it's been in my family for years. And when Coach Beyond offered me an opportunity to play for him, I and mean, I couldn't say, I mean, I said yes. I think I interrupted him before he finished offering me. He said, you know, us, oh, the coaching staff here and I at the University of Michigan would like to offer you, Coach, I'm coming. I don't need to come see the campus again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, so, yeah, so it was a dream come true. But then, um, you know, tragically, nine days later, um, on June 24th, 2011, we were flying to the lake this time, um, the same place you we were returning from in two thousand and three. We were flying to the lake this time, and then unfortunately the aer- aircraft crashed again, and um my dad and second mom were killed on impact, and I probably should have died, but I somehow I didn't and yeah, you know, I had a long list of injuries and um you know I had gr- amazing physicians and therapists who took care of me and helped me get back on my feet and yeah, now it's uh it'll be it'll be nine years since since that day in June, so it's been it's been a long road to recovery, but we're blessed and we uh yeah, we just we try to focus on the positives, try to look at the glasses half full.
1: Yeah, and, and you were able to you know and with having you know the tragedy you know the, and then you know the injuries and different things, but you were ultimately able to go on and continue your basketball career uh, in high school, correct? Uh, and then. Uh, eventually you know become a freshman at, at Michigan and and uh, and scored you know got some playing time and scored but can you talk about kind of just coming out and um, I guess overcoming your injuries and, be- and being able to get back on the court and doing something you love
2: yeah yeah well I so I never got back to you know being the level of player that I was performing I, mean, was, I was I was okay before I wasn't that good I don't know what Coach Beyond really saw but Hey, you're not um, giving yourself credit. Yeah, hold
0: on, hold on. Don't, yeah, he's humble. I like I it. I watched some film on you, man. <laughs> coach Michigan and Coach Beeline just don't offer any anybody, but uh, you're very humble, and your humility is is definitely a, a good trait, but come on, man, you, you're you not giving yourself yeah. justice. You are, you're one heck of well, a I player.
2: Could, well, I was uh, – yeah, you know, Coach – yeah, you know, Coach likes guys that can shoot, mm-hmm. likes guys that are smart. And I could do both. <laughs> I was pretty so, – but I was slow. I was unathletic. I couldn't play defense. I – but well, hey, whatever. It's okay. You know what the bottom line is? He offered me a scholarship, so I guess it doesn't, no, no, none no. All that no, stuff really matters, but yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, when I, so I was working to be the best basketball player that I could be before the second crash, right? You know, I was early in the morning before school going to class, working out after school, lifting and doing everything I could to get, you know, get to the level of playing at Michigan. Um, so I kind of learned to have that mindset just to, just to grind. Right. You guys know, you guys know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, you gotta, you gotta work for it and you know, it's not, nothing's given everything's earned and that's kind of how I approached the road to recovery. So after the, my, the accident, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. Okay. You know what? Even if I never get back to playing basketball again, even if I never accomplished my goal of getting to Michigan or whatever it may be, it's not going to be because I didn't work hard enough. It's not going to be because of something it's not going to be because I didn't do something that I control. You know, I think the two things we always have control over are our, our attitude and our work ethic. Right. And if, if, if we can control those things, if we work hard enough or long enough, if we make the decision to, to be resilient, make the decision to bounce back from up from when, when unexpected adversity comes our way, you know, like in sports, you, you know, you, it's tough. I mean, you, you get adversity and you, and I learned from that, from losing, from, you know, getting, getting my butt kicked sometimes, you know, like, I mean, you, you learn that you're not there. It's not that, you, that, it's not that you're never going to be good enough. It's just, it's just that you're not there yet. And so it's, you know, when I, when I came out of coma, I said, okay, you know, obviously got a long way to go. And I tried to do something every day, you know, just to get a little bit better. Well, I was taking one extra lap around the hospital floor to get discharged from the hospital. So I could go home and get to work there sooner. Right, or it's just doing a little bit, a little bit extra. Um, You know, maybe it's giving one percent extra every day, and you know, over over the long term, that one percent extra every day is going to make a big difference.
0: Yeah, one question I have, I think it's important we focus on after you know what you're doing. But we had our previous guest, and actually released his episode this week. Jerry Schemmel actually overcame a plane crash as well in 1989, where half the plane, or major, or a little bit less than half the plane, unfortunately passed away. But he, he suffered from what they call survivor's guilt. And I was just curious, the mentality of, you know, going through not just one, but two and how you were able to uh, just overcome that. And and did you have any of what Jerry had? Um, just because I, I just can't imagine, you know, the situation. So I was just curious that anyone that's maybe, I know in a lot of your speeches, you talk about overcoming adversity and that's why we have this podcast is a share your story, but how, how can you overcome that? And how did you get past maybe the survivor's guilt or any of the issues that had stemmed from the the tragic tragic events?
2: Yeah, well, obviously it's um, you know, very tragic and you know, losing my family. It's really unimaginable for a lot of people, fortunately. <laughs> most people can't relate, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I just kind of looked at it as okay, I've been given a third chance at life, right? Yep. And and I'm gonna make the most of it and yeah. There had, there, there was a little bit of that, you know, there, there was kind of the, you know, why did I survive? Why didn't, why, like, why did I, all all of them, all my family die? Why did, you know, why was this in the plan? I don't think this was, you know, the, the, whatever, you know, the plan, you know, your whatever your faith is, you know, like, I don't think that this was necessarily in the plan from the beginning. Maybe it was, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just kind of accept, I don't want to say accepted because I'm never going to really accept the fact that obviously I have accepted it, but it's, you know it's it's not okay but it's like it's just reality and mm-hmm. i just kind of come to terms of the fact that okay you know what i know i i can't control this and and dwelling on the negative events, dwelling on the tragic events that have happened in my life it's not going to change anything so i've just tried to focus on the things that i control as i mentioned a few minutes ago you know my attitude my work ethic my response to adversity um and i know yeah you know what you know i do feel i did feel a little bit of guilt you know being the fact that I was somehow spared for whatever the reason may be, I don't even know yet. I think maybe going out speaking and sharing my story is part of that reason. Um, but I've just tried to, you know, honor my family every day, and that's a way that I can kind of, you know, not feel guilty, if you will.
1: So you went on to, you know, you went on to Michigan, and then talk about your your relationship with Coach Beeline. Uh, you said he's ten times the the man um, rather than coach, and. You know, you hear all the time coaches pulling scholarships from kids for, for injuries and whatnot. But Coach Beeline honored your scholarship and you were able, again, to go on and have a, you know, a career as, you know, a player. And then also, you know, as a, working as a student, helping the team and whatnot and, and really building yourself up as a, as a man and trying to understand what your career directory is going to be like, you know, post-graduation. But uh, what was it like with Coach Beeline?
2: Yeah, he's he's incredible. He's incredible. He really is one of the one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. Obviously, he's a great basketball coach. But as I said on that college game day deal, you know, four years ago, four years ago now, a little over four years ago, I think it was February of 2015. Was that was that um, that episode of the game day deal? But yeah, I said he's ten times the man that he's a coach, and he's obviously a great coach. And I I firmly believe, I firmly mean that. I mean he, I mean just one of the things he always told us. So the core, the core values of of Michigan, one of them is integrity. And what he always told us, he always said, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Right. And I look at my, 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 obviously my relationship with him is a little different than all my teammates for obvious reasons. Um, but it's been, he, he never made me feel like I was, you know, like he never made me feel like he was doing me a favor Mm -hmm. by having Mm -hmm. me there. You know what I mean right he he like he's like you're part of the team you like you earned it just like anyone else, and obviously I wasn't able to you know play the way he r- recruited me to play, but um yeah I just i mean it's just incredible i mean really really, and I'm so blessed to have i mean there's no no better obviously i'm sure a lot and he even said um after you know, after I graduated he's like, I'm sure a lot of coaches would have done exactly what we did um but but that that may be true. They may have done what he did, but I don't think there's any coach in the country who would have done who would have done how he did it, right? Right. What we do, what we do, is never as important as how we do it. And I mean, yeah, he's just he's incredible, and I'm just so so grateful for the for my time at Michigan. And like I said before, I don't think it's an accident that I committed to a place with a man with a pro, not an accident that I committed to a program led by a man like John Beeline nine nine days before you know my life changed again. So right
0: the one, one thing we were doing, uh, kind of the Intel and research one, I, I love learning about coach Beeline. Hopefully one day we can get him on here. Um, but, but kind of twofold, we we were laughing. It was like, does coach Beeline ever get mad? Cause he doesn't seem like he's a guy that often gets mad. So does he get mad?
2: Yeah. Yeah. In practice. <laughs> okay. And, and in practice, I mean, he, like any coach he should, he has high standards, just like any other guy, Right. but he stays very composed on the bench for the most part and doesn't, let his emotions get the best of them and like, you know, cause like I said before, you know, control the controllables. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, for a coach, obviously I'm not a head coach, but if, if you're, if you're the kind of guy that, you know, is getting mad and yelling at the refs all the time and, you know, you know, really hot, really hot, really cold, so to speak. I mean, that's, how can you expect to have a stable organization, a stable team? Right. Right. But if but 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 if you're if you're never too hot, obviously he obviously he gets you know gets excited and stuff, and gets yeah he gets frustrated, but like, and rightfully so as he should. But if you if you if you if he, if he if he stays pretty steady, I mean you get that's how the team's gonna be. Yeah. So
0: sure. And what was because I actually uh, diehard Cavs fan here, so. Um, I wanted him to obviously be the coach for a long time. Do you think it was just because he he loved the college game so much and developing the culture and everything I I saw and obviously you experienced that that was just a huge divide between the professional players or um, you know what was your kind of thoughts on that situation with him?
2: Yeah, you know I think um, obviously you know when you recruit college guys it's you know it's different. most most college kids are just grateful for the opportunity to be there and grateful that they're. Most of them aren't going to come out of school with a lot of a lot of debt right um, but yeah, I think the n b a game is different, and it's different when you get when you you know when you're paying you know paying the players you know millions of dollars and and i mean they're all great and everything but i also i also think it's different than college because in college so the season is early october it starts early early to mid october to you know end of or end of march beginning of april and you play over that time. If you make the tournament and stuff, you might you might play maybe thirty five or forty games. Right. In that and in, in that five month span, and the NBA season is you know a little longer, but the frequency of competition is much greater. I mean, you you play eighty two games in maybe a month longer time period. So, I mean, it's like it's just a lot. And I mean, I mean, he's six, he's six, he's 67 years old. He's got grandkids. He like, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, I, I like he just wanted to, you know, make sure that he could prioritize, you know, what's really important before it was too late. So, sure.
0: No, not, I not mean to get off. I I, I love learning about beeline and just through
1: your story. So anyway, that, that was we'll, we'll his, get back to you, but that, that was, his, he was a big part of that. That was his calves plug. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, so you graduated in 2018. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, senior day and what it meant for you to walk out, um, you know, with Abby, your wife and your grandparents?
2: Yeah, it was, it was so cool. obviously, you know, I wish that, you know, my parents could have been there. Um, they should have been there, but you know, unfortunately they weren't and I'm not able to be, but you know, I think back to those days in the hospital, right. After, like once I came out of the coma and stuff. I was learning how to walk again, and it's weird. I think about think about so. Coach Beeline came to see me at the RIC, the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, where I was. Um, He came there in September, and the last time that he saw me, maybe he came there in August of two thousand eleven. I don't know. August or September, one of the two. Um, Last time he saw me, I was a pretty good athlete, right? You know, running and dunking, and you know, making three pointers and scoring and doing all that, and then. Now he sees me in a wheelchair, I can't walk, not because my legs are broken. I mean, they were, but they'd healed at that by that time. It's because my brain couldn't tell my my legs to put one foot in front of the other. So it's kind of an ironic juxtaposition. I don't know if juxtaposition is the right word. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see this, this pretty pretty good athlete and then you see someone who can't do anything. So yeah, I mean, it's just, just crazy. And I, I think about the journey. Um, you know, the, the road to recovery and all the, you know, I, I had so many people who made it possible for him to make, make a good comeback. And, yeah, but he but he was, I mean, for a guy that, I mean, you think, he's John Beeline, right? He came to see him in the hospital. I can't walk. And he said, you know, Austin, I can't wait to coach you someday, man. Whenever you're able to get to Michigan, I can't wait to coach you. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's like that, that, that alone, I mean, that alone, says a lot about him, so.
1: So you, uh, you've got an interest, and I know you've started to, I've I seen it on your LinkedIn, uh, you know, of pursuing you know, public speaking. And one thing you talk about is grit, which is a four letter word. Uh, or, I mean, which is a word that has, you know, four components, growth, mindset, resilience, integrity, and team. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, grit and how that kind of came to fruition for you?
2: Yeah, so it's, you know, for me, um, so I had a, I had a big challenge ahead of me. Right. And, um, with my road to recovery and I kind of realized that I was going to like, I couldn't just wing it. I couldn't just, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to try that. I'm going I'm just, just going to, you know, wake up. Maybe, maybe I'll work hard today. Maybe I'll do this. And hopefully this will, the results will be take So You got, you got to be, you got to have a plan. Right. And it's like, it's like going into a game. You wouldn't go into a, going to a big game with no game plan. That's kind of how I looked at it. It's like, okay, so I got this big game metaphorically speaking. Um, And so I'm going to have to, you know, like I said before, control the controllables. And the thing about the, about the grip, about the grip message that I talked about, I'll get into the specifics a little more in a minute, but it's all controllable. It's not, you're not going to make every shot. You know, there, there isn't a component of that. that says you you should make every shot every time that you should run every play perfectly every single time. Cause you're obviously not going to do that, but it's, it's the intangible things that it's the, you know, it's those things that, you know, in like in sports that you guys, I'm sure are aware, you know, just give you know, just giving that 1%, 1% playing 1% harder, you know, making sure you're, you're running back on defense a little harder or whatever it may be. So it's, it's things that we control. So the grit to me, the four letters that you mentioned um, are driven by having a greater purpose for why we do what we do. First and foremost, we need to work for something bigger than ourselves. It's different. The purpose is different for everyone. Well, that's, you know, your faith, your family, your friends, your co-workers, the organization. Um, it's different for everyone, but I think we all need to recognize what that is, because if we, we're going to face things in life, life's going to happen. We're going to face challenges, trials, tribulations, what have you. Um, that would probably cause us to, you know, quit or give up if we don't really have a driving force for why we do what we do. You know, we get, Some of you, we got to do work something bigger than ourselves. So, you know, when, when we work with something bigger than ourselves, um, that drives the four key components of grit, which to me are the growth mindset. The G stands for the growth mindset, which views adversity as opportunity. We can grow from anything we experience in life. And maybe it's not the event that'll cause us to grow, but I think we can grow by, by the opportunity it gives us to respond. I didn't grow from almost being killed and losing my family twice. But I, I think I, we found a way to turn that negative into a positive by, by, by how we approached it. So when you have the growth mindset that'll drive us to make the decision to be resilient, that's the R. Uh, we're never a product of our circumstances. we a product of how we choose to respond. Right now, COVID-19, obviously it's, you know, it's posing a lot of, a lot of threat. I mean, it's posing a big challenge for all of us. Obviously it's impacting some people directly and thoughts and prayers out to all of those people as well. But you know, it's, it's posing a challenge for all of us, you know, with the economy is basically put on hold for a while. And, but I think we can't control that, but I think we can all control how we choose to respond. And you know what, if we're, I think we got, at a certain point, we got, yeah, we, you know, we got to compete against the, the the competition, the other, the other people in our industries, but at a certain point, we got to compete against ourselves too, because it's, you know, when you make that decision to be resilient, it's, you, there may not be someone else going through the same thing that we are. There wasn't, there was no one going through the same situation that I was right. right. But I just you kind of just got to look in the mirror and say, you know what, you know, this adversity is tough, but I'm going to be stronger. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my power to overcome it. So the third component of grit to me is integrity. The I stands for integrity. And, of course, we all know that integrity is doing the right thing and no one is looking. Um, of course, that's true. But I think it's about integrity in the context of overcoming any obstacle or achieving any goal, really, as a team. It's about following through on our commitments. You look at, like, what Coach Beeline did, you know, following through on his commitment to me, especially when the circumstances change, right? And how easy is it, is it for us to commit things to people when things are good, when we we get what we thought we were going to get. But even when things change, even if the other side of the, you know, the the commitment isn't able to follow through on theirs, that shouldn't impact what we do. Obviously we expect people to follow through on their side of the commitment as well. But I think if we can all, as an organization, as people, just make it a, make it a, you know, just make it a habit, make it a, you know, something we do, if we make a commitment to people, to someone, we're going to follow through. There's no way that we're not going to, because that's just how we train ourselves by doing the, by following through on the little things, and eventually, once you follow through on enough little things, you know, then when the things, when the big things come, we'll follow through on those two because we don't know any different. So, the last component of grit is that team first mentality. You know, we got to think about the we before the me. We got to think about you know, what can we do to help the help the we succeed, rather than just focusing on the me, because you know, when the we succeeds, we'll succeed too as individuals, and you know. My big thing is, though, a rising tide can lift all boats, right? If we can – if you're on the team, you have a role. Man, man, I I, I scored one official point at Michigan in four years. And I couldn't play on the court. But I I took my role seriously, though. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there are things I could have done to fill my role better. But if all I could do is shag balls and practice, encourage guys, and unload the luggage on road trips, that's all I could do if I, that's all I could do. I mean, and if I could do that to the best of my ability, if I could do that 1% better, maybe that'll help my teammates for their roles 1% better too. So I just think that, you know, we got to realize, you got to remember that if we're on the team, our role is important. Otherwise we wouldn't be on the team. So. man, Well Love said. It. Yeah. That's a mic drop. Yeah, right yeah,
0: there. No, <laughs> no doubt. Um, yeah. That, now it doesn't make, doesn't uh, surprise me. One, watching you, you speak is just a, natural talent and i know you work hard at it i'm sure from preparation but man you are really really good at what you do which i know you know being a public speaker now hence why you know companies such as at least we have listed here ford wells fargo schools and communities are having you speak not only is your message incredible uh to overcome adversity but uh man you you really have a talent a gift there so and uh i love the grit i think the one thing we've seen uh austin and part of our podcast is the event plus your response. I think the response is something we're seeing as a consistency, and the underdog approach of overcoming adversity is really how do you respond to that event will yeah. dictate the outcome. And I think that's something that I've, I've, I'm hearing from you, seeing from you, and I think it's it's a part of everyone that we're talking to is is the response is so critical because that that definitely dictates how how the outcome is gonna gonna go. And like you said, you you were willing to do whatever it takes to win. And um, I think that culture in itself, I mean, you guys had some incredible years, right? Um, you know, success isn't always dictated in wins and losses, but that c- culture that you were part of really, really obviously had some really successful seasons there at Michigan. So I think, you once again, you're probably not giving yourself credit enough, but you being a great leader in the locker room, uh, just carrying any role, was, was probably a significant reason why you guys advanced as far as you did. So you need those guys.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, well, thank thanks for your kind words. I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, like for example, if um, if if we're on the team, speaking of underdogs, right? So we're talking about the underdog approach, right? The underdog podcast. And so, like in practice, we would finish the drill. Coach Beal wouldn't like the outcome. Um, and he would blow his whistle and say, "Give me a thirty. It's a thirty-second suicide." Right. And so, over four years, excuse me, I probably ran more or less a thousand of those over four years and i finished dead last by a pretty good wide margin every single time dead last every single time but I but i ran as hard as i could right and right. it's like you know what you know what if, if if my guys they knew that i wasn't really like you know there to play and help the team yeah obviously i was i was i was all part of the team but like i wasn't really gonna be able to help the team but I try I ran as hard as I could and it's I'm not trying to say oh man look what a great example I said I'm just saying if we got people who give it everything they have regardless of the uh regardless of their their contribution if they give they give it everything they have to fill their role to the best of their ability and help the team how can that not how can that not make a positive impact on their volume you know so
1: yeah it's all about the buy-in I mean you, you that that just speaks volumes that you you know you that you did that and you know you weren't getting the limelight, you know, some of your other teammates, man, but you were the guy in the locker room that a lot of us didn't see uh, behind the scenes that was there. As Kyle said, that was probably a, a key um, part of of the success that you guys had. So, um, well, I- I
2: don't know. And you, and you know what? I don't know if it did anything. Maybe it didn't do <laughs> anything at all. But that doesn't really matter because it's like I was a part of the team and so I wanted to make make my impact in, in the ways that I could.
0: So. Yeah. No. The the one question I had, because you guys were an eight seed this is what, 14 and 15, and that's when the plane had slid off, right? And it was a another tough moment, and you go to D.C., I believe, and rattle off four wins in a row against really good teams. Practice jerseys. In practice jerseys. Can you kind of touch, I thought that story um, is special from a lot of different reasons, meaning, one, you were involved in it, uh, and then, two, just going there and facing that adversity as a team and obviously a shooken team. And then rattling off four wins and like practice jerseys to me is one of the coolest sports stories out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? So I actually wasn't on that plane. This slid off the runway. I wasn't because I had I had a big I had a big exam that day. Okay. And coach didn't let the good. It was probably a good thing he didn't let me miss class. He didn't like I would travel with the team most of the time. Um, but when I would miss a big class or something, he didn't. He said, "No, you're here to get your education," which is probably a good thing. Um, So I wasn't on the plane with them when that happened, fortunately. Um, But yeah, then you know it's um, yeah, you know I was you know I I obviously called everyone, all my guys on the team, make sure everybody's okay and everything. Um, But yeah, you know it's just you know like like I said, you know when you talk about resilience, right? Mm -hmm. And you know that happened, that event happened. None of the guys on the team nor the coaching staff could could control it. But they could control how they chose to respond and it's okay. And it's, and coach beyond asked us, he said, well, I mean, I didn't actually go to, I didn't go to that, that tournament with the guys because I was in class, but he said, do you guys, do you guys want to go? Do you, do you want, or do you feel comfortable enough flying another plane there? If, if, if you do, we, we'll get one. And, and everyone said, yeah, we want to go. And then, so, and then once they made the decision to go, it was all business. You know, it was a business trip to get four wins in four days. And, yeah. Pretty, pretty cool story. Pretty cool story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean being the eight seed in the big 10 tournament and rattling through really, really good teams and then get into the NCAA, what to the sweet 16 and then almost one, one ending shot there away from uh, beating Oregon and going to the lead eight, I believe. Right.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Crazy story. It's awesome. Like they, they
1: overcome that and, and, have that success. So I want to be respectful of your time too, cause I know you've got a you've got to run, but do you have uh, Yeah,
2: it's all, it's, it's all right. I got, I got a few more minutes. No okay. Problem.
1: So we like to do, we can go ahead and start rapping, but we like to do a, uh, not rapping. You want to rap? No. Okay. No, all right. No, no bars for me right now. Um, but <laughs> Hey Austin, hold on real quick.
0: We've learned, we, we've really done a lot of podcasts recently. Here you go. He wants to be a sports agent. He wants, he wanted to be a professional player. He, he wanted to be a comedian. Now he wants to be a rapper. What else we got here, Mr. Black? It's
1: all about my response. Okay. Now you might say public speaker. You want to be like Hatch here. I'll leave that to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do rapid fire. Uh, so just some questions, kind of hot seat questions, uh, you know, kind of lighten the mood up a little bit. So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll fire off the first one. Better athlete, you or your wife, Abby?
2: My wife, Abby, no doubt. So she, she's 6'5". Oh, right. Oh wow! And you're oh, six I six. That. She's six five. I'm six six. Um, and she she touched. So so her they they had this. uh So like in volleyball, that like part of the preseason training is doing like a jump test to see how high they can touch. And she touched ten seven.
1: Oh wow! So she yeah.
2: can, can you? So she, so she was she. So she's a pretty good athlete. Yeah.
0: Can, can we invest wow. into like future <laughs> stock of your kids? I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: You know what? I don't, I don't, especially after the accident, I couldn't, but I don't know if I ever touched 10 7. Maybe, maybe before, maybe.
0: So I'm, I'm assuming but, that if you guys ever play volleyball, she's rising above the net and slamming it on your head. Is that accurate?
2: <laughs> yeah. But, um, and so she was, she was, actually, she was a three time All American at Michigan. Um, Jeez. but yeah. So we actually, but the crazy, here's the crazy thing. So she got offered to play volleyball or basketball at Michigan out of high school. Oh, wow. And so she was, she was the high school, Michigan high school player of the year, her senior year in basketball. All right. Average, 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 like 25 15 and 12 blocks a game. Right. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So I hope, I hope our kids, I hope our kids get her athletic ability but I hope they get my jump shot, though. <laughs> <Thank
0: you. laughs> All right. See, look, he still he slid that in he did, there. He real he did, nice. He did. Yeah, yeah, I like that, I got, man. I, I
2: got, I, I got, I got to keep her honest a little bit, right?
0: Right, absolutely. So, right. so here, sp- staying on uh, the the marriage uh, and Abby, what was the first lesson on marriage that you've learned being a, a newlywed? Um, the first lesson. Well,
2: I think I think it's a lesson that I learned pretty soon after we started dating it's uh she's never late i'm just early
0: <laughs> i like that <laughs> she's never late you're, just, you're just
1: early okay so that just kind of goes or, that-
2: or, or 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 i have i have another one um it's a uh it's pretty simple th- you know this may be a good way to think about like ac- accomplishing any goal in life really when you have a when you have a, someone a leader when you're when you're not the head boss, you're not the head guy um you should listen you should follow directions and I, you guys know from sports you got to execute right listen follow directions and execute it's a pretty simple formula
0: simple formula I, th- I think the best thing in business as you're mentioning there is a lot of times just keep it keep it simple
1: i was gonna say i'll keep you married for a long time too i try to do that at home uh, i i don't know how, how well execute yeah, how, how well are you executing there yeah, Mr. this Paul. morning i couldn't find my wallet and she walked downstairs and gr- she goes it's right here i was like oh i'm out yeah <laughs> all right so and, we-
2: and yeah you know you know and the um the other thing that i've sometimes so I, I i misplace things fairly often um and it's it's crazy i think it's just kind of a mom thing obviously we don't have kids yet but it's but it but it but it's hey have you have you honey have you what what you do with my wallet or, or computer or, or what would you do or or, it's, or have you seen and it's like have you checked here and it's like and it's like, and, and, and it's like yeah, I thought I did and you go check there again and there it is <laughs>
0: good stuff I love this this yeah. is good good content all right so these next couple questions I know we got we got a big Big uh, Wolverine here to my left, Mr. Blackman. Being from Ohio, I had another family friend named Ben Robertson, diehard Michigan fan. So I said, hey, man, give me a couple of these. He's the guy from Columbus, Ohio, that put a Michigan flag in his in his yard before the Michigan-Ohio State football game. Just diehard Michigan fan. So he has a few here uh, I wanted to throw out there. Um, who was the best shooter at Michigan while you were there, Stockus, Robinson, or Spike?
2: Duncan Robinson, by far
0: yeah that's what i assumed but
2: uh so, so so i i i actually never played with Nick so i was gonna i that was the class i mean i would have been there he would have been a freshman um i would have been a freshman when he was there one more year but um so yeah he's yeah yeah he i i would have been a freshman when he was a sophomore, but he you know or no he he's two he's two he have been twos out of me okay um yeah, so so I would have played with him, um, one year.
0: Okay, now
2: yeah. yeah, now here's
0: here's another one, another basketball question for you from Michigan. Who was the best athlete you saw while at Michigan? Aubrey Dawkins, uh, Ricky Doyle. He said, "Just kidding." I don't know what that means. So help me out. Who was the best athlete?
2: <laughs> Aubrey for sure. I mean, is just like like could get his head by the rim. I mean, like six six probably had a. You know, probably a 40 inch vertical. Whew. So yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Really good guy too. Really good guy. So well oh, good. Yeah, Duncan, Yeah, back to your last question. Duncan Robinson is, I mean, I mean, what a cool story that is, though, right? I mean, coming from D three to D one and yep. going undrafted. Now he's starting. Well, obviously the season ended, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, we actually saw I was up for a Cavs game and saw him play actually against B line earlier in the season before it got shut off and he was just drained in threes, man. He is, uh, man, he's, he's special. So silent. Assassin. Yeah.
2: I think, yeah, I think he, he played a game against coach. Um, I think he, I think he had like 29 or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was there. Yeah. Like, yeah it, was, it, was it was like insane. Eight,
2: eight, eight, eight of 10 from three or something like that.
1: That was his thank you to coach. <laughs> For all yeah, he
2: had done, I didn't
0: think the Heat were that good, and they're they're good. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, they, they got a lot of young guys there. But uh, all right, now coming back to the Ohio side here, when will Michigan football? You don't be, have to answer be, this. Beat
1: Ohio State. You don't have to answer this.
2: <laughs> um, well, you know what? Yeah, you, you know, you got to take your hat off. I take my hat off to Ohio State. They're obviously, you know, obviously well coached and you know, good program and everything. Um, I don't know. It's been a while, um, but yeah. We'll come back.
0: See, that's class, classy. That's a classy right. – he's a lot more classy than you, Mr. Blackman. That's why I reached out and asked him to be a guest.
2: Well, 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 well <laughs> hey, hey, how about this? How about this? How about why – why would you why, – why did Ohio State um, let Michigan win two Big Ten tournaments in a row? How was that?
1: Ooh, hey. I like that. Hey, well, you know what? He, he's we're going to bring the heat back on me to drop the mic right there and be respectful of my man's time. That's how we're going to end. Hey,
2: I got, I got to keep you honest, right? <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> good. That's good. Hey, if
0: we do get actually I'm the one more here, yep. if we do get your boy beeline on here, um, what would you want to ask him? Like if from an underdog podcast standpoint, say we get ever John beeline on, on the
1: pod, what, what would you, what should we ask him?
2: What should what should you guys ask him?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be one question you would we should ask?
2: Yeah. Um well, so he I mean, he was a head coach 40 like 42 years, started in high school. Um I mean, I would I would I would ask him something like that because I mean he was kind of an underdog coming out, I mean, right? I mean a little bit, you know, coming out being a high school coach and then junior college, division three, division two, division one, and then ultimately, you know, got to the NBA for you know half a year or three quarters of a year or whatever it was, but very successful in college. So, yeah, I mean, I, would, yeah, maybe, 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 I, maybe, you know, it would be interesting. I've never asked him about the mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what, like it, ask him what, if, if he, if he, how about this? Maybe if he saw himself being one of the best college coaches in the country when he was a high school coach back in the seventies,
1: right?
2: If maybe if, like, did Great he question. see that? Yeah. Did, did, did he did he had that vision for himself, you know. So
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, I appreciate uh as uh Mr. Blackman here said, I mean, this is um, you know, I think as they say, you're a walking miracle. And uh I think uh coach coach actually said multiple times he was just, you know, blessed to be part of your miracle. And I feel like in some way, obviously you having on podcast sharing your message on our platform has been a, a blessing for us. And uh would love to stay in touch and we wish you more more and more continued success to you and Abby and family. How can our listeners, Austin, follow you and, and uh help we'd love to help grow your brand? So how how can they follow you?
2: Yeah, so I'm on I'm on LinkedIn is a good way. I post content on there fairly fairly frequently. Um and I'm on Twitter as well. Um a website should be up and running here in the next month or so. Um so yeah, maybe maybe when I get that going, um, when that gets you know actually active, I can send 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 you guys a link and let you know that you know it's up and running. And if you could share that to help us help us spread the spread the message and encourage people to overcome the obstacles they're facing, that'd be awesome.
1: Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent, man. We'll, we'll definitely. I think that's one thing we've learned too with doing these, you know, we're in our thirtieth so episode um, and the relationships that you know we're able to develop. So we, like Kyle said, we appreciate your time and whatever we can do. Uh, to help grow your brand, you know, we absolutely will, will commit to doing that, man. So make it happen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks,
2: thanks, guys. I really, I really appreciate it. Great to be together and I wish you guys all the very best. Stay healthy. All right.
1: All right. You thanks same, Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. Take care of so. yourself.
0: Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free T-shirt. See you next week on the U D P.